episode 29 of Doc Fermento Discovers the World. Today I'm talking with Phil the Thrill. He's a Los Angeles police officer. I first discovered Phil a few years ago on Twitter. He has a, a wonderful Twitter account just, um, you know, telling the stories of being a police officer. He seemed like a a really great person. So, and funny. So I I thought it'd be a great a great thing to have him on the show. A total change of pace for this show, and kind of more in tune with what I'd like to do. You know, more often. It was it was a lot of fun. Um, just to discover the world of um, Phil. So. Yeah, I think that's it. I I really hope you like this one. Um, like I said, it's a little different flavor. And yeah, this one's just for fun, folks. All right. Hope you enjoy. Bye. Phil, what the hell are we talking about tonight? Well, you told me that we were talking about me. Yeah, just you. No me this episode. Say that again? I said no me this episode. Just you. Nothing about you, huh? No. <laughs> hey, man. You know, I, I think I you know discovered your Twitter account years ago. I think you were one of the first Twitter accounts I really I ever followed. And I think it came from mm-hmm. maybe Phil Hendry. I think maybe I saw him yeah, in a conversation probably. with you, yeah, and then I've uh, been a big fan ever since. So, um, tell people, you know, who you are and what you do. Well, I'm a police officer in Los Angeles County. Been a police officer for seven years now, and I started a Twitter probably in my second year of being a cop because I like telling stories. It's like the best part about being a cop is everybody loves your stories. And uh, Twitter seemed like a good format for me to just tweet out all the weird things that happened to me. I work in a pretty busy area. So uh, it seemed like a good format for me to just share some stories and have some laughs with people. And sometimes it gives a perception that police officers are very serious and, you know, businessy and no humor. And so I kind of wanted to show that now a lot of us like to have a good time and we like to laugh just as much as anybody else. So just a good way for me to poke fun at my job and and share some of the stuff that's going on in, uh, in LA. Yeah, it's, it's really good. Um, yeah, sometimes it's pretty, uh, it's not just humor, but you know, sometimes uh, some of the things you, some of the stories, some of the things you come across, um, especially dealing with children and things. Remember I was seeing a tweet of yours once where you just were, I think like playing catch with a little kid once, you know, like for five (laughs) minutes to pass some time waiting for this next thing to happen or whatever. So, some poignant moments there too. Yeah, we were waiting for uh, a psychological evaluation team to come take his sister to a mental hospital because she was trying to kill herself. So, oh wow, throwing a ball around, trying to uh-huh. <laughs> trying to distract him from what was going on at the house. So, how'd you get in? Um, did you kind of did you choose to be a police officer, or is this uh, your nature? Did you fall into it? How did that come about? Uh, I actually started out as a um, database programmer at a credit union, 
and I thought I was going to be a Mr. Businessman and make lots of money and wear suits and ties. And my dad, at the age of 44, it was his lifelong dream to be a cop. And he had a cop buddy who was like, you should do it. So my dad actually went to the police academy at 44 and passed it and got hired. And I was watching how much fun he was having. And he, I watched him lose weight and his, his whole attitude changed. He was a lot happier. He was uh, a lot more confident. And I thought, man, I don't want to wait till I'm 44 to do something you know, that I really love. So I decided to give it a chance. And I, uh, when I put myself to the police academy, paid my own way. I worked nights and or I worked, uh, half time and then went to academy nights and weekends and just fell in love with the job from doing it from, uh, I'm a people guy. I like talking to people. I like getting to know people and it's a very people job. So I fell in love with it and never looked back. That sounds wonderful. I love the inspirational story, you know, from your father, and the fact that he obviously went into it for the right reason. Mm-hmm. You know, even mentioning becoming a cop and losing weight, that's almost an oxymoron. <laughs> if you see the cops around here, like, I almost wish I was a teenager again, because I know I could outrun those bastards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you probably could. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Actually, uh, I teach defensive tactics at my department. I teach Krav Maga to the guys, and... We got about half half the guys in my department aren't um, aren't the best students of the physical arts, unfortunately. <laughs> you said, oh, how do you pronounce that? Krav what? Krav Maga. Krav Maga. That's an Israeli like special forces uh-huh. thing, right? That's correct. Yeah, I saw you tweet that out before that you know going to the training and uh, I did look that up once, but shit. <laughs> no thanks <laughs> it's uh it's intense but uh it, it works good for you know military and law enforcement and stuff like that it's very reality based it's not a lot of um poses it's not a contemplative art i guess i would say it's uh it's street fighting yeah that's pretty wild yeah I, the huge resurgence of mma and all these <laughs> things you know there's some positive you know that that can really help and it can be a real a bit of a gnarly thing for me that I just don't, I don't like too much. You know, it's kind of yeah. like uh, gladiators. You know, it's like the Roman times right. again. Yeah. But also, there's a flip side to that. And when you hear the heady, smart fighters, or you know, I follow the whole paleo community, right? Paleo lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the leaders that are really into fitness and things, they, they change the game for you because it they really bring some intellect to it. Yes. And it all makes sense. Right. Yeah, there's that whole uh, science to nutrition that uh, actually when I was uh, going through the police academy, we were required to take a uh, lifetime fitness for police officers class that nobody paid attention to. But I did because it was all the science behind nutrition and, you know, what I, I never knew what calories or sugar did. I didn't really I mean, I, you know, you kind of understand it, but we actually it was a science class for, you know, how not to become a fat cop that. Uh, I wish more people would pay attention to. <laughs> sure. I mean, you know, um, are you familiar with Rob Wolf? I'm not. No, he's a, he wrote a book called The Paleo Solution. And this isn't just a plug for him, but I'd plug him any time. But anyways, sure. he's working in Reno with their, um, this is a new thing. He hasn't talked about it too much. I've just heard it in passing. But he's working with their, like the uh, local agencies, law enforcement, mm-hmm. firefighters, Working with their, um, uh, like the risk, you know, management p- 
side and he's working on their health and fitness and um, getting some amazing results basically with obviously fitness, you know, Mm -hmm. a proto kind of CrossFit template ish kind of thing, although he's not CrossFit anymore. And then a paleo diet. So it's pretty interesting to hear his results working with a municipality, improving the health, you know, lowering the blood pressure of these, you know, uh, civil servants, you know, Mm -hmm. and it saves the, the, the community money in taxes and in medical care and retirement and injury. So it's pretty cool. I'm really glad you're focused on that, on that side of things. Yeah. I've, I, I train pretty hard. I'm not as hard as some of the guys in my department, but I train pretty hard. And there, there's been some times on the job where I've been either involved in a fight with the suspect or, um, you know, trying to jump a fence or I've, I've fallen off of a few different things that, uh, at work and I credit my my workout routine to me not going out in, on injured reserve which is a waste of resources for the taxpayer the citizen uh, they you know you have to keep paying my salary if I get injured on the job but I'm pretty flexible my my joints are pretty loose and lubricated and stuff like that so I don't twist my ankle like some people do I don't throw my back out that you know that's just a good deal for the citizen yeah absolutely yeah I just recently discovered joint mobility Mm-hmm. Um, I've never worked out in my life and I'm, I'm nearing 40 and I just about a month ago, four or five weeks ago, started with some Qigong okay. and, uh, kettlebells and, um, mostly we just focus on joint mobility because I'm so, I'm, I'm like a 70 year old man, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so it's been eye opening, and I can see exactly what you mean. You know, like I could probably take off running now without drastically injuring myself as opposed that's to a good. month ago, you know? Yeah, that's very key. <laughs> but I ain't getting far, but... <laughs> yeah. Uh, baby steps. Yeah, cool, cool. Actually, I own a kettlebell. Uh, I love I love kettlebell. It's one of my favorite. I do, I do bodyweight exercises and I do kettlebell, and that's perfect for me. That's really cool. So what's going on out there in the streets of L.A.? <laughs> Well, it's summer, and the weather warms up, and so people stay out later and stay out longer. And uh, the community that I work in um, doesn't like the cold weather, so when it gets warm, everybody comes out. And so yeah, they break out, huh? A lot busier. So uh, yeah, we're just we're just starting to get into our our summer kind of our summer rhythm. What uh, kind of shift do you work as far as the hours? I work a swing shift, so I work 2 p.m. to 2 a.m., and I work weekends. Oh, wow. So I get the, I get the good cross-section of what's going on. I was going to say, yeah, you get some of the meat of the matter, don't you? Yeah, it's a good <laughs> shift. I, I like it because um, we're pretty much busy the whole time. It makes the day go by fast, and I get to do a little bit of everything. You know, when you're on day shift, it's a lot of report writing and, and showing up, and somebody broke into my house, somebody broke into my car, and you're sort of just taking fingerprints. You know, and at night you do a lot more of the active drunks and gang members and shootings and stuff like that. So being able to work a swing shift, I get to do a little bit of everything, which is kind of, I like it. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that you like it. I know that can be pretty detrimental to health if you're not conscious of of what it can do to your body. Um, Yeah. the, The shifting the sleep cycle and cortisol levels and all that follows hormonally. So as long as you're on top of it, you know. 
Um, yeah. That's something I'd actually talked to Rob Wolf about um, when he was working with police. Um, I'm not, well, let me just be honest, I'm not the biggest fan of authority. Yeah, you've mentioned. <laughs> yeah. But it has, I have to say that in, you know, in a, some kind of perspective. I mean, mm-hmm. um, you know, I said, I told him, I don't want him actually building a bunch of super cops and turning <laughs> this into some kind of comic book where <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they take over, troopers. right? But yeah. he's like, no, these are good people. I love them, you know, working with them. And what he's found is that, like, there's a huge, massive majority of, like, cop gone bad is, like, sh- swing shift related hmm. coming off of um, swing shifts. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, there was something more to it. But um, you should, if you ever get a chance, um, talk to him or look up his the work that he's doing because I think it's very important, especially when he told me that information about the um, um, the swing shift and sleep cycle. That's where that comes from. Yeah, one of the things I like about my swing shift is that if I'm not at work, my natural sleep cycle is going to bed at three in the morning and waking up at eleven. So my swing shift, <laughs> I don't have to. I don't have to change my sleep. That's schedule. pretty good. Yeah, that's that's so. yeah. That would kind of fit my schedule actually. I, I, maybe I should look that up, but. Yeah. I get because I get all my creative energy at night. Like once the sun goes down, I'm like a like a creative vampire. Once the sun goes down, I'm just ready to rock and roll. That's when I like to write music. It's when I like to write, you know, poetry and essays and stuff. So yeah, me too. But that's also just because that's when I'm drunk. Yeah, well, yeah. well that's part of it. <laughs> I mean, I don't just get creative because the moon came out. You know, I got sure. <laughs> yeah, a little little assistance. Yeah, let's talk about writing a little bit. All right. You know, um, to be honest, I haven't been following your blog closely, but I did for a while whenever you'd post some writing. How's that going for you, and how often are you posting? I'm trying to do two good-sized essays or blog posts a month, usually about 2,000 to 3,000 words, something like that. Um, That's that's pretty impressive. That's really good. Yeah. yeah. It keeps me... I like to write, and that's my... um, that's sort of my skill set on the job. I'm known as one of my agency's better report writers, and I'm a good instructor on report writing. And on, on my days off, I like to write. It's how I organize my thoughts. Um, as you know from reading my tweets, there's, you just see a lot of crazy things out there, and, and writing is the way that I, I guess, argue with myself or challenge mm-hmm. myself to think about things in a different way. There's been... There's a couple blog uh, posts where I started writing to make one argument, and then through the course of writing, I argued myself out of the point I set out to make. So that's that's why I write because I, it, that's it awesome. Me. And that's funny. I, I like that you're giving me some inspiration in that because typically it makes me feel um, I, I'm, I'm the same way, and I feel wishy washy or like a flip flopper. You know right. what I mean? Whereas yeah. all the other people I look up to, they just are on message, same point, <laughs> over and over and over again. And here I am, you know, every time I think 10 minutes on something, I've changed my mind three times. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, and I've, I, I write as a, as, you know, my blogs, I try to write in sort of a professional or sort of, I don't know if you'd say a scholarly manner, but they're, they are very personal to me. They're, they're. They are just my personal thoughts and things like that. So I try to keep it professional looking, but it's not a college thesis. It's just the way that I think, and it's how I think about things. So, yeah, I I, I don't worry too much about whether I sound wishy-washy because I sort of like the idea of a reader 
it's sort of I'm giving them like a really intimate look into my you know sort of my mind so I'm, I'm cool with that I think I think people would enjoy that I hope they do yeah I, I'm sure if anyone who's a, a real reader avid reader um, interested in that thing that they'll definitely enjoy it it's it's very um how should I say I don't want to say verbose what's the word well, you have quite a vocabulary, which I seem to be lacking tonight, but you it's, like I said, you, you use some powerful words. <laughs> I got to keep my dictionary handy. Yeah. Well, I've always been a reader since I was a kid. Um, when, I was a, when I was a real little kid, I was the fat kid, and so I didn't have a lot of friends, and I didn't go out and play with a lot of people, so I stayed in and I read books all day, and I pretty much exhausted my middle school libraries kids section and they actually let me read some of the teachers you know books in the library so yeah i've just just from reading for you know i'm 29 now i've probably been reading for 20 i don't know 26 or you know 24 mm-hmm. years straight so mm-hmm. yeah you just i just tend to pick up i like words i'm a, I'm a word guy i enjoy them i like playing with them ah oh, that that's awesome me too i'm just kind of rediscovering it it's something i let go for a long time and instead, I would just do drunken rants with friends out loud. <laughs> but kind of getting yeah. back into writing a little bit, uh, at least thinking about it, it, it does help, especially yeah. if you have that kind of itching at you, you know? Right. So that's really cool. Um, did you take any writing in school? Yeah, English was always my favorite subject in high school. And for my three semesters of college, before I dropped out to go into the police academy... I uh, I took some creative writing classes and some poetry classes and some other some yeah just more creative type stuff like that. But uh, a lot of it's I don't know if self taught's the right word, but I read a lot of essays and articles and poems and and uh, so I sort of learn by reading and by imitation. Awesome. Um, one recommendation I might have a guy to check out is um. Michael Drought, D-R-O-U-T. Okay. He's an English professor. Um, he's a Anglo-Saxon specialist. Huh? But he's got some awesome books called Away With Words. It's a lecture series. And uh, he, covers, he covers everything from grammar to the history of poetry. That's a great one. It's that really excellent. It is really excellent. I think that one's Away With Words 4 is the history of poetry. Uh, he's very, very good. I did that on audiobook. That sounds awesome. Yeah, he's good. I actually sent him an email, see if I could get him on here to talk to me about that stuff, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> that one makes me nervous. <laughs> a little <Yeah>. bit. <laughs> Talking to, you know, a grammar guru. Yeah. He, what? he must... He must be tearing his hair out at this generation of uh, yeah. of people because nobody knows grammar anymore. It's funny. Uh, they don't yeah, that's an it. interesting take, right? I never even really thought much about that. But maybe he's so locked into his writing and his students that he doesn't see <laughs> yeah. it. But I don't think you can escape it anymore. It's it's everywhere. Yeah, we we can all read each other's stuff, you know, at the drop of a hat now. So, you know, although, like, uh, let's take Twitter for an example. The the folks I follow are stout, like with their with the grammar. Oh yeah, yeah, they're good. I, you know, excellent uh, vocabulary, and I'm often looking up words. 
Although often it it's science stuff or medical or sure. biological, so that's a little yeah. different. But no, I, I've been surprised at the level of of people I follow and of their you know humor, wisdom, all those things. So Twitter Twitter is interesting because it's so limiting, you know, to the 140 characters. And I think what a lot of people don't realize about grammar is that if you have a really strong command of language and grammar, you can make the most out of those 140 characters. People who are bad with language can't make the most out of the platform. It's funny, yeah. It's almost the opposite of what you might naturally think. Right. Yeah. Yeah, to to squeeze that in there. Yeah, good point. Yeah, if if you know one word that can do the job of three, then you're ahead of the game on Twitter already, you know. Yeah, unless you're just tweeting about, you know, going to the bathroom and what you had for breakfast then who gives a shit but yeah i I do love learning what everybody eats for breakfast every morning (laughs) well i get a lot of that because i follow a ton of paleo people yeah Yeah. so i get tons of food this food that and sometimes i'm cool with it and then i often get tired of the bacon jokes so sure (laughs) (laughs) i wouldn't imagine bacon real big in a paleo community (laughs) That's yeah, it's there. You know, there's well, there's like two camps. You know, mm. I'm the I'm on the bacon side. I'm on Team Bacon. All right, well, that's a good team. <laughs> it's a popular team these days. <laughs> so, let's talk about you know your work and what's one of the biggest struggles you face. I think, uh, like I said, I love this job because it's a people job, and I love people and getting to know people. And it's a big struggle when I deal with a lot of uh, shitty people, <laughs> to be honest mm-hmm. with you. I deal with a lot of angry people. I deal with a lot of, um, I guess, unintelligent people at mm-hmm. times. And I deal with a lot of, of evil people. Uh, and so it's a struggle to constantly remind myself that my job has meaning because not everybody is evil that my job has meaning because there's so many good people and that's why I do what I do is to make a better quality of life for all the good people out there. Hmm. It just gets hard hmm. to remember that sometimes. That's a nice perspective. I mean, you know, you're not out there just shooting zombies. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You're doing it for the, the good people. I, that's, I like that. It's a, yeah. it's a customer service job, you know, and people don't think of it that way. They think, oh, I'm an authority figure. I'm out there to boss people around and write tickets and put people in handcuffs. But, you know, nine out of ten calls I go on don't end in an arrest or a citation. They end with me counseling somebody one way or another, either counseling them don't do this or counseling them you should do that. But, yeah, I don't, I don't arrest everybody and I don't cite everybody. I just talk to people nine times out of ten. Yeah, and so you think you get- – gives you a little bit of play in the community, a little respect, a little cred or something. Yeah, a little bit. Um, especially, you know, what's what's got me really far in this job is learning to shut up and listen. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think a lot of times people in my line of work and myself included at, at times were like, Oh, we're, we're authority figures. We got to be doing the talking and the, and the, and the leadership, you know, leadership is mm, talking. Yeah. Right. Le- leadership is moving things around and getting people organized. But I've gotten a lot of mileage out of just keeping my mouth shut and listening to people. Sometimes that's all they need. Sometimes people call the police just because they want to tell you about a, a bad thing that happened to them and they want someone to care. And then you, I just sit and listen. I go, yeah, that sucks. And they go, and I say, what can I do to help you? And they go, 
oh, nothing. I just wanted to. I just hmm. wanted to let you know, and that's all they needed. I can want to listen. I can totally buy that. Yeah, I I know people with problems love to talk about those problems, and yeah, just to be heard. It's almost like dealing with toddlers. It's the greatest yeah. lesson I've learned raising children. Is when a children when a, when a children when one of my <laughs> children as during their toddler years had a complaint to register, you just have to listen. If they say no, they don't want to do that, you say right back to them, oh no, you don't want to do that? And they look at you and they go, yeah, thanks. And you know what's <laughs> cool? You can get them to do anything you want after that. Yeah. You didn't, all you had to do was recognize their opinion or their need or whatever it is, and you still get to make them do what you want them to do. It's the it's the greatest trick. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I was out on a I was out on a call one time handling a um, it was like a loud noise complaint or something stupid, and uh, this woman, a neighbor, flagged me down, and she was like, "Hey, I have a problem." And she basically she wanted to file a complaint against one of our officers because she thought she'd been disrespected by them. Mm-hmm. And you know, we were real busy at the time. It was a Saturday night, and Saturday nights are very busy, and so I was sort of half sort of half paying attention to her, half thinking, how do I get out of here? Because she was just very chatty. And I was sort of inching my way towards the door. Uh, you know, and just, uh-huh, okay, that's, I'm mm-hmm. sorry to hear that. Okay, well, you can talk to our supervisor later, that kind of thing. And finally, she looked at me, she goes, well, I can see you don't really care what I have to say, so you might as well just leave. And I, and I was like, ah, shit. You know, I felt, uh. like, I, I felt bad. And I said, you know, you know what, you're right. We're real busy, but, you know, you're trying to tell me something. So I pulled up a chair and I sat down. And I said, you have my undivided attention. Tell, uh-huh. You know, tell me what's going on. And it turned out it was just a big misunderstanding with one of our fellow officers. And so I just sat and listened to her for 10 minutes and, yeah. and let her talk it out. And then she she's like, you know what, actually, I feel better. I, I realized I was I was blown out of proportion, you know. And the, the whole complaint dissolved just because I took the time to sit down in a chair and listen. Yeah, that's and, awesome. I'm sure it felt like 30 minutes or an hour, <laughs> that 10 minutes, but... Yeah, you but never it, had it to deal with it. it. It ended. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. And she shook my hand and said, "Thank you very much." And um, I think a lot of people are used to public figures not really caring. You know, you go to the DMV or you go to other government agencies, and nobody cares, nobody listens. And so I think it's—I have a real neat opportunity to be a government entity that listens. You know. Seems to make an impact on people. Yeah, sure, absolutely. I, I, I would, yeah, I buy that. But then you did mention something: evil people. Yes. If you've never had one in your life, it would be kind of hard to explain. You can read about historical evil people, mm-hmm. but they're lurking, like they're there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they're amazing. They're powerful, and yeah. Yeah, there's. Um, I work in a, a high gang crime area, and some of these these gang leaders they're extremely charismatic and they're extremely intelligent, and some of them are, you know, no joke psychotic. They don't. Uh, they don't care about people. They don't care about hurting people. They don't care about killing innocent people. There's something fundamentally different about their brain. Hmm. That allows them to. These aren't just your street hustlers. No, no. I mean, your your average gang member is not evil. Your average gang member is, you know, probably lower income, 
um, less educated and just trying to get by. And I can understand it. But then there's the one that that rare um, that just th- that rare person that you come into contact with. Where you're like, holy shit, that he's 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 some he's from a different from a different world than this. He's not, <laughs> you know, he's not just trying to to steal some money to feed you know feed his family or something like that. He he enjoys. He's building an evil empire. <laughs> exactly. Some people enjoy harming people, and. Yeah, there's that too. Right. It's a scary. Mm-hmm. It's scary to see it. It's scary to see glee in somebody who's you know kind of murderous. I, I've seen it a couple times in their face, and you're just like, oh my god. Uh, yeah, I mean, then that would frighten you for your own safety too. You know, I can see that. Yeah, that angle too. Like, it's not just them; it's you right. too. And and we we do some training sometimes where. Um, we use what's called simunitions, which is sort of a fake, it's a fake bullet that you can shoot out of a real gun that just has paint in it. And we do some training sometimes where you go out on a call and then they'll, they'll have a guy with a, a simunitions gun and he just comes out and shoots you. And it, and it just kind of shows you that if somebody really wants to kill a cop, it's pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Like, I hate to say it, I hate to broadcast that onto the ether, but if somebody really wanted to kill us, it would be so easy. There's nothing we could do about it. Um, there's no rules of engagement or when they're not no followed engagement. And yeah. if they're, if they're going to ambush us, they get, you know, they get the first three shots off before we can even draw our gun mm-hmm. just, just by physics. And so it's like, it's scary to see somebody and look in their face who, who you do consider evil because you think, man, if he wanted to kill me, he could do it. And the only, the only reason I'm not dead is because he chose not to today, you know, and that's wow. just a very, powerless feeling <laughs> wow no thank you <laughs> yeah yeah wow that's a trip what kind of um position do you have there what what like what do you do are you you know what do they call these you, you out on the beat you walking around you in a car you got a partner how does this work um my official title is just police officer uh, I'm I'm on patrol. I drive around a patrol car, black and white police car. Um, I ride. We ride one to a car because my area doesn't have. Um, our, my area is very busy, and we don't have a, a, a whole lot of officers. So to increase police visibility, we all ride one to a car. Um, we just we just get dispatched two to a call. So you know there'll always be two guys on a call, but we drive our separate cars, and. My my function is basically I drive around, I look for you know crimes in progress or theoretically you know, traffic violations. I don't like to write tickets. I don't write tickets a lot. <laughs> um, I'm not one of those cops that enjoys enforcing traffic regulations. So um, you know, I'll drive around if I see somebody loitering or looking like they're up to no good. I might stop and talk to them. Otherwise, we respond to calls for service. So either somebody calls the police or they call nine one one, and we go out and you know, hey, what can we do for you? Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, everything from my son doesn't want to go to school to my husband beat me up to, um, you know, what do I do about my neighbor's loud dog? I mean, it's just, you just never know what it's going to be when you show up. Well, when a few of those things don't, don't sound too bad, you know, especially mm-hmm. coming off the evil people tip. Sure. You know, it's yeah. pretty wild. <laughs> but um, that's kind of switch us up a little bit. Do you, are there quotas for traffic tickets? Are you requ- is there is there such a thing? 
I can't speak for every agency. My agency does not have a quota, but you are expected to be productive, and that can be measured by a bunch, you know, several different factors. But um, you know, we we chart the number of tickets that we write, the number of arrests that we make, the number of uh, police reports that we write, the number of calls for service that we go out on, and the number of you know self-initiated type things that we do. Mm-hmm. So if you're throwing up zeros in all the columns. You know what are what are we paying you to do? Uh, what are you doing? I see. You know? They have. I guess it's just a a tool for measuring. There's not exactly. really a. Yeah. You know what do they call that when you're in the world of celebrity? Your Q score. You know. Yeah. It's, something it's, like it's, that. Yeah, like how uh, how much pull you have. You know. Right. There should be like a a peace quotient or something <laughs> like. Yeah. How much peace have you provided? <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah. Hard to measure though, isn't it? Yeah, it's hard to measure a negative. You know, how many things did you prevent, or you know, right? Like how many terror? You know, yeah. How many how many terrorist um, activities has the federal government protected us from? It's yeah, hard. You know, hard. Well, to yeah. Say. Like, one thing that I do on the job is um, right around one in the morning is when people start doing beer runs at Seven Eleven. So right around one in the morning, I go get a coffee at Seven Eleven, and I just chill out in front of Seven Eleven. And I drink a coffee, and it made it look like I'm not doing anything. Mm-hmm. But it's you know, I know from experience that those are the times that people start to go steal beer from Seven Eleven, and so it's like, how do I know how many teenagers I dissuaded from targeting that Seven Eleven just by drinking a cup of coffee out in front of it? There's no way for me to know that. Sure, but I know I'm doing sure. It. Yeah, good point. I've done that many times. Yeah, I mean, not the cop. I was the right. kid. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Or. It'll just, you know, you wouldn't uh, pull up and ask some dude to buy you beer either because that dude ain't going to want to buy you beer, you know what I mean, as a teenager. So, yeah, that's cool. Cool deterrent. Just kind of like keeping a German Shepherd on your porch. (laughs) Yeah, basically. (laughs) So, yeah, that's that's sort of how I like to do patrol. You know, I keep an eye on, you know, what's going on. And, you know, sometimes I'll see a store and I'll see people kind of loitering out front. I don't necessarily know what they're doing. They may not be doing anything bad, but... I'll just go pull up and just kind of hang out and check things out and just sort of be a be an annoying visible presence and if if they're not up to no good then nobody cares and if they are they mm-hmm. go somewhere else and what's your what's the street drug policy especially like for marijuana um marijuana laws in california I, i'm you know i work in california and so they're kind of weird right now because we legalized it for medical reasons and so everybody with $50 can go buy a medical license to have marijuana. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's a joke. I'm actually in favor of legalization, to be honest with you, because marijuana enforcement is such a joke anymore. Mm-hmm. The, the courts don't care about it. The district attorneys don't care about it. And so it's like, how, how much work do I really want to do to go bust a kid with a joint? But, I mean, right now it's just a ticket for less than an ounce of marijuana. Um you just get a, a citation. Just a citation. And most of those don't even go anywhere because the, the DAs in L.A. are so swamped that uh, mm-hmm. they just usually kick them. So nine times out of ten, uh, we confiscate it and we just throw it away. Okay. Yeah, I was just recently reading about something in New York where they have a totally different take on it. And it's pretty hideous, really, where basically if you're smoking it, it's really bad. You can get in some pretty serious trouble. Really? Yeah, and they want to. There was a thing or Cuomo. Well, I'm, I don't want to confuse the story, but it's easily <laughs> readable. It's on boingboing.net. They just did a feature oh. on it. 
and there's some videos of people who have been harmed by these laws. Yeah. Um, so just a, a curious thing, you know, because in one hand, pot is relegated. To, it's such a humorous thing. I think sure. even uh, President Obama has uh, made reference to the fact that he has probably smoked pot. Yeah. Right. Clinton. Yeah. And yet, mm-hmm. if you're on the wrong side of the, at the wrong time with some pot, you can find yourself in some serious trouble. So sometimes it's a joke. Sometimes the leader of the free world can joke about the fact that he's participated in it. And then other times it can fuck your life up. So yeah. it's a, it is a complicated thing. And I'm, I'm of the opinion that it should be legalized. Yeah, I always, I always tell people I've been in you know, dozens of, of fights uh, as a police officer and none of them have been with somebody that was high on marijuana. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? I've never had to, <laughs> I, you know, I've never had to fight for my life against somebody that was high on weed. Mm-hmm. You know, people that have been drunk are the worst fighters of all. You know, um, methamphetamine is pretty bad. If I got PCP, that was bad vibes. But uh, yeah, I mean, drunk people are, yeah. are awful. You know, well, that's what weed, drunk people do. Yeah. They fight. I mean, this yeah. is. <laughs> It depends on where, the, where I guess yeah, it depends on where you live. That I work in. Yeah, yeah me, well, where I live, it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and well, hell, I've lived all over, and it's the same yeah. thing everywhere I've ever been. So, yeah. That so, witching hour, like, yeah, what the hell happens in people's minds? I don't know, but after midnight, shit gets weird out there. Yeah, it's true. It does. Yeah, and I've never understood that because when I drink, I just want to sit and like write or watch YouTube. Like I never want to fight when I'm on when I'm drinking, but a lot of people apparently don't share my uh, constitution. Yeah, and you're pretty young. Like I, I can kind of say that now, but I'm forty. Right. At your age, you should be getting angry and busting holes in walls and shit. Yeah, you'd think. But <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, maybe it's what you're reading that helps. You know, maybe you're reading the romantic poetry. Um. <laughs> <laughs> right now I'm reading Blood Meridian by Cormac McCarthy and that is not a peaceful novel. All so right. <laughs> it's pretty grisly. <laughs> I thought maybe you were on um, you know, Shelley and Keats and Byron and these guys or something. No, actually I've been reading a lot of uh I do poetry readings uh every other Wednesday I'll go and uh I'll read some stuff at a open mic forum. So I've been buying books from local poets, so <laughs> I've actually been reading a lot of uh, local people. A lot of bad poetry, then, is what you mean. Oh, well, there's some good stuff. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, yeah. I'm just being, I don't buy the bad stuff. I'm just being... I buy the good stuff. Yeah, just a typical joke. Right. But that's pretty cool. I wouldn't have the guts to read anything I I write in in public. That's cool. I've I've been on some police standoffs before, and i got to say I was more nervous reading my poetry for the first time than, than I was on a... <laughs> Yeah, what do they say? That is one of the greatest fears. It even yeah. above death is right, public yeah. speaking. Yeah, yeah. Most people would rather be in the casket than giving the eulogy. Yeah, that's actually one of the reasons I did this podcast. Is just a challenge for myself. Um, that's good. Just to talk. So this is this has been a lot of fun, by the way. So okay, just, yeah, you know, yeah, this is, cool. this is my first interview slash podcast slash whatever. So yeah, cool. Hey, on a, another note, I was all curious about, do you maintain some type of anonymity because of your work, or how, how, do, how does that work? 
I try. Uh, I'm sure a diligent, uh, a diligent computer nerd could probably track down my name. But I try mm-hmm. to keep my last name off of things. My my name is not on Twitter. Okay. Um, I have a Facebook. My name is not on Facebook, and my Facebook is locked down. You can't search for me. So for the most part, I keep I keep most of my details off so that people can't look me up or look up you know where I work. Yeah. Uh, and what just about to be on the, the safe side. Yeah, and what about from the other angle, uh, from work coming down on you? Is that a problem? Is that a potential problem as well? Uh, I used to post. I used to take pictures from my camera phone and post them on Twitter, and they basically told us not to do that. So, okay, um, my stuff's anonymous enough that you know I, I don't think the department would be able to. You know, you wouldn't be able to tie me back to my department as being like a you know agent of the department. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, they. For the mo- like, yeah, I, don't, I don't use people's names. I maintain the citizens' anonymity too, you know, and I don't put things that could embarrass a citizen. Yeah, you know, just just to you know, just to be cool. I don't, you know, I wouldn't want to do that, humiliate somebody. So, do you, was- do you do you remember a few years back when a nine one one dispatcher was tweeting? Did you follow her as well? Um, it became a very popular account. But I she, think so. she was completely. Yeah, that's just now coming back. It just popped in my head. It was several years ago. But she was really, really making fun of the people that call nine one one. Yeah, I you know I remember who you're talking about. And then that went away. Like yeah, they that shut account her down. just disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's funny. She can come home and tell those stories all she wants. I guess she's not yeah. a psychotherapist. You know, she doesn't right. have some. Um, Restriction there, but Beauty, the yeah. tweeting is ugh, that's not the right place for that. I don't, know. I don't think. Especially she was on the job, which is even yeah. more ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> but I yeah. laughed like hell at the stories, to be honest. But oh, yeah, they're funny. Yeah, uh, it was funny. I was, uh, I was trying to move to Seattle a couple years ago, and um, I was applying for an agency. And I, I got through the interview process, and I go, okay, uh, last part of the interview is you have, you have to let us log into your Facebook and look at all your stuff. And I was like, are you serious? What? And, yeah, they said if you you know we can't we can't force you to do it, um, you know, as an employee, but we're not taking any new employees that yeah. don't let us look at the Facebook. Mm-hmm. So I had to I, I logged in for them and I let them look through all my stuff. I don't post dumb stuff on Facebook, so it wasn't a problem. But wow, yeah. Uh, I you can a, imagine some guys. Uh, you can imagine some guys getting into some. Yeah, I have a serious problem with that from many angles. One, I I don't care if I was an angel. I would just say no. Like yeah. that's not how I'm going to start this job off. Like where do we go from here? You yeah. know what I mean? Like whatever you give up, it's hard to get it back. That's true. Yeah, I mean, wow. Number one rule I know is don't open your mouth. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but from their perspective, so many people have been getting you know so many departments are getting sued and, and sure sure you know, I I get that yeah from a risk management standpoint mm-hmm. not, I get it so yeah every time I apply for a new job now I just go back through Facebook and I go okay is everything kosher <laughs> okay. yeah so have you put thoughts into just kicking back in some sweet suburb somewhere. <laughs> Oh, all the time. I I was trying to move to Austin, Texas. I just uh, I was just out there for an interview uh, uh, last month, 
um, like a suburb of Austin that's pretty okay. chill- chillax and stuff like that. I didn't how, get the job, but uh, no. How did that? What What was going on with that? <laughs> um, I've tried to apply there twice, and are you over eager? <laughs> uh, I, I was told. True story. Swear to God, I was told um, during my final interview that the members of the panel felt that a poetry writing police officer would not fit in around here. Whoa, 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 wait, wait. (laughs) I swear, I promise. You're kidding me, right? Nope. That is uh, 100% A poetry writing police officer would not fit in? That's what I was told. Do they know that poets and writers are some of the baddest ass, hardcore dudes that ever lived? If you don't want Ernest Hemingway working for your police department, I right. don't know what to tell you. You know, holy <laughs> shit! Wow. So, I mean, I, I think part of it was, you know, I'm coming from California. There's been a big exodus from California because our state is in financial, you know, dire straits right now. So I think mm-hmm. they see a flood of people from California. They're not sure if I share their values. They're not sure if I'm going <laughs> to be like a good Texan. So I think I sort of gave off the wrong vibe. Wow! To yeah, you played the smart angle. You f- you yeah. screwed that up. I did. Yeah, you were supposed to forget to pull the chaw out of your jaw and uh, yeah, yeah, shit. <laughs> I, I guess use, yeah. If you'd have played into reckon once, I was gonna say if you'd have played into a stereotype, it yeah. would have served you well. And that's rude to say, but it looks like it might yeah. be true. Yeah, that's that's the problem with police interviews is that every agency is different. And every agency has some different sort of character that they want you to be. Mm. And so mm-hmm. there's there's just no way of knowing until afterwards whether you successfully yeah. performed for them. And, it, and it's so stupid, too. Because How do you think that develops? Like, from the top down? or uh, Yeah, I think a lot of times you get administrator. The little dirty secret of police work is that some sometimes the administrators that promote very high don't always share the same values as the sort of boots on the ground or they're looking for different things, I guess. Hmm. And so sometimes you get directives from the top about, hey, this is the kind of officer that we'd like to pass along, you know, in our interviews. And it doesn't always gel with, you know, what people on the ground would like to work with. So, you know, it's just, it's just hard to say. Every Every chief has his own agenda. Every police captain has their own agenda. And so there's just yeah, no way of knowing, right. unless you're friends with the chief and he mm-hmm. says, hey, this is what we're looking for. But you're sort of guessing mm-hmm. you know, and what they I, want. Right. right. One agency that I applied for along when I was first starting out, um, they thought I was too meek and wasn't aggressive enough. And then the second agency that I applied for said I was way too aggressive and they were afraid I was going to go out and kill somebody. So it's like, you know what I mean? It's just everybody has a different kind of thing. Man, you need to maybe try to become a campus cop like (laughs) at Oberlin College. You know, that happens to be near me. So that's why I thought of Oberlin. I'm actually thinking of going private sector, you know, going into training or something private sector. It's a lot easier. Yeah, you never know where it'll take you. I, you know, I'm yeah. sure you'll make the right choice when the time comes. Um, yeah. I know you're short on time, and you have to get going soon. So, yeah, I let's um, mention uh, verbally the your, some links and things because a lot of people won't go to the show notes. So, oh. <laughs> you want to tell people your uh, blog name? Yeah, the my blog is uh, Tactical Therapy. That's the title of it because I 
people ask me what I do, I tell them I'm a tactical therapist because <laughs> it's kind of my thing. And so the blog is uh, tactical therapy. It's all one word. Dot blogspot. Dot com. Um, I just posted a new blog uh, reviewing a documentary about a sushi chef. So. Like hardcore police stuff right there for you. Cool. I'm going to get back into that. I'm, I am going to get back into reading your stuff because it, it is good. And it's, well, thank you. it's a bit of work for me because I don't normally read such oh, things, go. but it's good. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, I try to keep it interesting. You know? Yeah. And then uh, I'm, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm a Phil the Thrill on, at Twitter. Cool name. Yeah. Believe it or not, um, apparently there's a local L.A. rapper who raps under the name Phil the Thrill. And a lot of people think I'm him. <laughs> so they have to be really confused when they when I, you know, oh, when I yeah. tweet stuff at work. That's pretty good. And this rapper's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's great. No, I think well, this, is, this has been excellent, man. Yeah, I had a good time. I appreciate you inviting me on the show. Yeah, anything else you want to throw out there for folks to... Ponder, think about, read, anything? Shoot. <laughs> Can't put me on the spot with that Hey, don't one. worry about it. Take your time. Uh, we can edit out any <laughs> stupid shit anyway, so. <laughs> um, actually, you know, uh, I think people should look up. There's a guy named Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman. Uh, common spelling, G-R-O-S-S-M-A-N. He has uh, two books that I think you and your listeners might find interesting. One's called uh, On Killing. Mm-hmm. The other one's called On Combat. And he's a um, he's an Army lieutenant colonel who decided to study the science of the stress and the psychological effects of being involved in combat and, and you know, sort of critical violent incidents. And so those two books, he actually studies, you know, what it does to a person's mind and what it does to their body hmm. to be in a to be in a fight mm-hmm. or to be mm-hmm. to have to kill or to have to fight for your life. And um, it's it's a really interesting perspective. I think a lot of people would would get a kick out of the scientific study of what it means to be violent. It's a it's a it's a way of talking about violence that we don't normally talk about. That sounds interesting. I'd like to check it out because it, it's something I don't have a lot of experience or zero experience with. So yeah, ah, I like that. Interesting. Yeah, yeah Dave Grossman, and uh, he yes. actually does he does lecture tours. And if you ever get a chance to see him, he's a dynamic Spitfire lecturer. Hmm. Very, very engaging. Cool. So that's my uh, that's my plug. Excellent. And then my mind for you and and well, if anyone doesn't know by now from me, but Rob Wolf R O B B. Okay. Two B's on the. Rob, W-O-L-F. That's him on Twitter. You can go to robwolf.com. Check out his book, The Paleo Solution. Sure. He's got a lot of good science in it, nutrition science, exercises, stuff like that. And like I said, he's got this whole new uh, municipal public servant work that he's doing. So it might might be right up your alley. Yeah, it sounds like uh, something I'd be interested in. I'm going to check him out. Cool. All right, Phil. I think this was pretty cool. I was good. (laughs) I I appreciate you inviting me on. It was a good time. All right. Thanks, man. All right. Stay in touch. Will do. Have a good one, bud. Bye. Bye.